0: As you guys know, we've been going through our series uh, looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and, and today I've been given the task to talk about the fruit of patience. You know, we're given opportunities every single day to re- that reveal our patience, right? In fact, uh, I previously just, just had my patience tested, and it came back negative. So, but seriously, <laughs> you think about, think about our patience. <laughs> Our patience is tried uh, every day, right, in a multitude of different ways, right? We hear, we hear people say, you know, even our culture talks about patience as a virtue, right? But when you really think about that, think about our world. Patience is not something that we would really use to define our world. Uh, we just We live in this world that demands instant results, right? We need something right away. We need it now. We are impatient. We go through drive throughs to get fast food, and we want hot food, and we want it right now, right? I think about like when I was a kid, uh, my parents would watch the news, and the news came on at certain times. It came on at 5 o'clock, came on at 6 o'clock, and came on at 10 o'clock. But then all of a sudden, there came 24-hour news sites, right, or news uh, channels like Fox News and CNN, because we needed the news right now. We didn't need it in three hours, we need it right now. Right? But now, even that has almost become obsolete because we have you know, social media. We find our news on Twitter or whatever social media site you use. We need it right now, right within the second. <clears throat> it's, it's immediate. It's not, it's not fast enough. We need it now. Uh, thinking about social media, uh, kind of related to that, think about the Internet. <laughs> when I was a kid, we had dial-up Internet, right, where you had to plug into your phone line and hear that sound and wait forever for it to come up but now if the wi-fi doesn't work it's we become like lunatics right like it's we have to have it now uh thinking about that there's a there's a movie that came out uh, just a couple of years ago kids movie uh, called the mitchells versus the machines right i'm not talking about cooper and molly although if you would have seen him earlier manhandle the label printer you know i could i could fully trust him uh, to be in charge over the, the machines in this, in this battle. But in the story, uh, there was this a family that's attempting to, to put an end to this robot apocalypse, right? And, and there's this uh, virtual assistant known as PAL uh, that takes over. And at one point, uh, the creator of, of this PAL, this creator of this virtual assistant, uh, is, is talking about how humanity is going to survive, right? And, and they said, humanity can't survive without me. Look what happens when I turn off the Wi-Fi, and then it shows the Wi-Fi button turn off, and then there's just, it's absolute chaos. It looks like Lord of the Flies or or something like that, where people are demanding that the, it'll work if we if we pray to the router and make a sacrifice to him, the Wi-Fi will come back, right? We we want immediate results. We want it now. Uh, we're impatient. Continuing with that with our TV watching, right? Too again, when I was a kid, when I watched TV, TV shows came on at a certain time, right? They didn't, we didn't have streaming services where we could pick and choose when we watched it. We had to watch this show or this movie in this time slot. And in order to find out when things were on that time slot, we had to go to the store and buy a magazine that told us when those things were going to be on, Right, the TV guide. We had to go buy that to let us know when to watch those things. But now, <laughs> we don't do that. We have we, streaming we, services we have streaming services that, that give us immediate results, what we want right now. And uh, yeah, if, if you know, even thinking about that, uh, if I were to watch a TV show and I missed an episode, it would be months before I could watch it again, or maybe even years before I could actually see that episode. But now we have every single episode of every TV show we could possibly want to watch anytime we want it instantly. And don't even get me started on commercials, Right? <laughs> Like, no, we don't, we don't watch commercials. We don't do that. In fact, we pay premium services to not have commercials, right? We used to have to sit through commercial breaks, but now we will actually pay extra money for our streaming services so we don't have to wait 30 seconds on this commercial break. So patience is not something that our world teaches. It's not something that we actually see in our world. Uh, thinking about that again, just uh, I was just thinking about the first time my kids ever had to watch a TV show, a cartoon that had a commercial, and I don't remember which one it was. I think it might have been Eleanor, uh, but whenever we were watching, watching it, a commercial came on and her response was, skip, 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 daddy, skip it. <laughs> You're going to have to sit through this. You're going to have to watch this, right? It's being ingrained in our minds that we need things right away, and if we don't, we're justifiably angry about it. <laughs> So we're not a patient people. But as you read through the Bible, we see that patience should be the mark of a Christian, right? It should be the mark of us as believers. You read Galatians here, and it's a mark. Uh, it's, it marks it here as one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's, it's a, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And as believers, we have uh, the Spirit working in our lives, working in our hearts, and as a result of that work, He produces fruit within us, and part of that fruit is patience, Right, so we should be able to show the world around us patience. But how many of us can say that? How many of us demand immediate responses from everyone around us while at the same time expecting them to be patient with us? Right? How many of us are patient towards our spouse or towards our kids? Right? Or kids being patient towards your parents because your parents are sinners too, uh, in need in need of God's grace. We must be patient. All of us need to have the Spirit working in us to bring us patience. So let's take a look at Galatians 5 again, and, and we'll see this, uh, this passage on the fruit and see what Paul says about the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of patience. So looking in Galatians 5, beginning in verse, beginning in verse 18, it says, But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So one of the uh, marks of a Christian, those who have the fruit of the Spirit, it says, is patience. So what is patience? What does that mean to be patient? I heard one definition of patience being defined as the quality that you admire in the driver behind you, but can't stand in the driver who's in front of you, right? It's, it's, a, it's that idea of uh, being patient. Uh, so, but really, when you look in the New Testament, there are two words uh, to describe patience, uh, and, and we're going to really focus most of our attention on one, but I just want to look at two primary words that are used. The first one is the word hupomene, is, is, is the word. And it, it has this idea of steadfastness, this idea of patient endurance, of perseverance. Right? It's the kind of patience that, that I was talking about really before uh, when we think about uh, waiting on the drivers, you know, in, on the road, or waiting for the Wi-Fi to work, waiting on those things, those those are the things that require this patience of steadfastness, of of patient waiting and endurance. But that's not the word that's actually used when we look in Galatians five. The word that is used here is the word macrothumia, and so that is it's a compound word. If you take the, split that apart, you have macro which you guys can see is maybe the opposite of micro, right? It's macro, it's something that's big, something that's long, uh, something of that nature. And then the word thumos, meaning passion or anger. And that word is actually used earlier in verse 20, talking about the works of the flesh, when it says that the works of the flesh are fits of anger. That's literally angers in a plural form so it's a fit of anger that's the work of the flesh that's something that works within us as the are these fits of wrath and anger but the fruit of the spirit is instead long passion is the idea or long in anger so the 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 idea is as the king james version translates it as long suffering is the idea so it's this idea that we are uh Waiting a sufficient amount of time before expressing anger uh, towards someone. Uh, in English, you know, we talk about someone when they're a like, very angry person, we might call them short-tempered, right? Well, this idea here is it's the opposite of that. It's the person who would be long-tempered, which we don't really say that, but that's the idea. Is that it's a person who is long-tempered. Uh, one, one author, Peter O'Brien, a commentator, defined patience in this, in this regard, this word, is, as that long-suffering which makes allowance for others' shortcomings and endures wrong rather than flying into a rage or desiring vengeance. It's a fruit of the Spirit and a necessary quality for maintaining right relationships within the body of Christ. So it's that Long suffering that allows for the shortcomings of others around you and that endurance towards them. So it's not, I'm, I want to focus more on that today, not the idea of being patient in the circumstances of life that are outside of our control, um, but patience towards one another, right? That's, that's the idea that Paul is really trying to get at here is that patience that we have with each other and the sin struggles that we have in our lives. So, so I want to look at that. And, and the first thing that I want to look at today is, is this idea that we practice patience towards each other only because God is patient with us. Right? That's the only way that we can be patient is because God is patient towards us. And I want to look, look at three things within that. I'm going to talk about the patience of God the Father, the patience of God the Son, and the patience of God the Holy Spirit. As you read through the Old Testament, uh, we see the patience of God the Father. And He's patient towards His covenant people. Looking in Exodus 34, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago whenever I talked about uh, the, the idea of love as well. But in Exodus, beginning in Exodus 32, we read about how Uh, Moses went up to the mountain, and and he was delayed there. And the people were impatient, and they wanted—they couldn't wait. They wanted—they wanted answers right now, and so they they demanded that Aaron build a god for them to worship, right? And and he does that. He calls them to come and bring these, uh, bring their gold, and he melts it down and he puts it in. And as he tells tells Moses later, right, he puts it all in there. I just stuck it in and pulled it out and it became a calf. I don't know what happened. So that's what this is what's happening is, is this sinful people commit sinful things uh, against God the Father. And it says that God was angry at them. He was justifiably angry at the sin uh, at them and he did bring punishment towards them by bringing a plague upon the people. But it says that Moses interceded on behalf of the people and and asked for God's mercy and when he does uh, God grants that and then he tells him ask me anything you want and I'll do it for you and and Moses said please show me your glory right we talked about that a few weeks ago when he he prayed that God would show me your glory and he does that in Exodus 34 he's renewing this covenant relationship uh, with his people and as he passes by In Exodus 34, 6, it says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, but it says that he's slow to anger. That's the idea of of patience here in this slow to anger. Again, similar to what we talked about in Galatians, the word literally translated here is he's long of nose. And so that's, that's an interesting concept, right? To think of what does that mean to be long in the nose? Uh, and I, I, I love the way that the, the Hebrew language works because they use this so often where they talk about parts of our body to express the emotions that we have. I and mean, we, we talk about it in our, in our language too, right? When we talk about our heart, The things that are going on in our heart is that internal being, right? But they use other languages like their bowels, meaning that innermost portion of their being in their bowels, they're doing these things. And so they use their bodies uh, to describe this and this idea of to be long of nose. If you think about that, you can understand, you can see a person and know that they're angry by looking at their nose, right? Their nostrils maybe are flared. Uh, you might hear short bursts of air coming out of it, right? You know a person is frustrated when you hear, right? Like, you know, that means that person is probably angry. But a person who is patient, right, is a person who who is practicing that patience that maybe is even trying to calm themselves down from their anger. You hear them taking deep breaths, that like a slow, calm, peaceful breath. Uh, breath in them, right? They're trying to calm themselves down to show that patience. So we can see that even in our noses. And that's what the Hebrew language uses, that idea, that terminology, to be patient, to be long in the nose. <clears throat> you can see this throughout the Old Testament as you read through uh, multiple passages, but just two, uh, just uh, three different instances in, in the Psalms where the psalmist essentially repeats the same exact phrasing of Exodus 34. In Psalm eighty-six fifteen. he says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And again, in Psalm 145, it says it again, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. So the Lord is good, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago, that this goodness is the aspect of God's love demonstrated towards us. So all of these ideas, all of the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, all of them are interrelated. You can't have one without the other. You can't have patience without also loving one another. You can't have patience without being filled with joy. You can't have any of these fruits of the Spirit. Right, If you were not in the Spirit. And God is patient. You know, it, it's, it's seen in multiple other passages that we won't look at, but Nehemiah, Jeremiah, uh, Nahum talks about the same idea. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is patient with us. And he's not just patient with his covenant people, as I mentioned here, but he's patient to all people. Look at Jonah chapter 4. As you read through Jonah... You see he, you see the Lord calling Jonah to go to the people, right? To go to the people in Nineveh and to preach to them. And what, is, what does Jonah do? He runs away. He runs the complete opposite direction to the city of Tarshish, Tarshish which is the opposite direction of, of Nineveh. And God becomes... God ends up bringing this storm, right, upon the people, upon the boat, and it redirects Jonah to the place that he needs to go, right? And, and he brings this uh, fish, this big fish that swallows him up in the water, and that fish is God's grace on his life, bringing him back to the place where he's supposed to go, and he gives him another chance to preach to them, and he does, right? This time, he's obedient. He preaches the gospel to them. He preaches the message and what happens? The people repented. And because they repented, God delayed his punishment. It says he relented of the disaster. And you would think that that would make Jonah happy, right? But no, it says in Jonah 4, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster." So he repeats that same phrase. He repeats the very thing that God said of himself in Exodus 34. Jonah repeats that. He knows his theology. He knows that God is gracious. He knows that God is merciful. He knows that God is going to be slow to anger. And he didn't want God to be slow to anger to these people because he was not patient with them. Jonah himself was not patient towards those people. He wanted God to punish them for their wickedness. But God is slow to anger. He knew that God is slow to anger and he would forgive them. <clears throat> not only that, if you look in, uh, going further into, uh, into the New Testament, another example in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter is writing, he talks about the days of Noah, right? And he says, Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. So the Lord was patient towards those people, those wicked people that eventually were destroyed, those that were eventually faced the judgment. But it's, it was a period of time. As you read Genesis 6, it says that he essentially says, I'm going to give them 120 years. That's about the length of time it took for Noah to build the ark. And during that time, he's preaching to the people. He's preaching to them to repent. He's calling them to turn away. And God in that time is patient. Even though in his sovereignty, he knows what is going to happen. He is still patient towards those people, right? He's patient in his judgment against them and delays that judgment. So he is patient. God the Father is patient to us. And then we see the patience of God the Son. So not only is the Father patient, God the Son, Jesus, is patient with us as well. You read through the Gospels and you see so many times patience is being tested by the disciples. Right, They're listening, they're hearing everything he's saying, and they're not getting it. They don't understand what he is saying to them. And he is patient with them for three and a half years, preaching to them, teaching them, guiding them and they still don't understand. And it gets to a point where uh, the disciples were brought a child, and they could not heal this child. And Jesus' responds to them in Matthew uh, 17, 17, and it's found in a few other passages as well. Um, he says, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you, right? So Jesus' patience was tested by the people when he was on the earth. Not only that, he faced, of course, of course, we probably all know, but he faced the ridicule, the rejection of those around him, including his own family. His own family rejected him. And ultimately, he endured the suffering of the death on the cross. Right. He bore the wrath of our sin for us. Right? He was beaten, he was mocked, he was scorned. And even during all of that time, while he's on the cross, what is his response? He says in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right? How many of us can say those same things in the mild discomforts that we face in our life? Can we have that attitude of patience and grace and forgiveness, <clears throat> in the way that Jesus demonstrated uh, to us. Peter talks about this also in 1 Peter 2, uh, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25. So uh, in the context of, of 1 Peter, he's he's talking about the suffering uh, that Christians are going to face, these injustices that we're going to face, uh, and how we should respond as a result of those of those sufferings. Right, And Peter, you think about that, this, is written, this letter was written by Peter, the per- very same person who denied that Jesus was going to face these things, right? He denied that whenever Jesus said, I am going to face persecution, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be mocked, and I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to re- be risen from the dead, Peter called him to the side and said, no, listen, you got, you got that all wrong, right? He's trying to correct Jesus in that moment in, in the Gospels. But now we have him here, after he has witnessed the crucifixion, he's witnessed the resurrection, and he's preaching uh, to the people, and he's seen the way that God is working, and he recognizes that this is what is happening, right? In 1 Peter 2, he talks about the Lord's suffering. He says, For to you, uh, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So we see Christ suffered for us. When he was reviled... He did not respond in kind. Right? He did not respond that same way towards them, but instead he endured the suffering patiently. And endured that on the cross for our sins. So he's recalling the events of Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion. Right, He was verbally abused by the Sanhedrin. He was faced the ridicule of the Roman guards, the mockery of the thief on the cross. He faced all of those things on the cross and, and up to that point, And it says that he could have called down 12 legions of angels, right? At any moment, he could have called them down to come and, and bring about justice. But he didn't do that because he was patient and knew God's plan was, this was God's plan. Right? And he followed and acted upon that. The Apostle Paul talks about the patience of Jesus as well. In First Timothy, he writes, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So Jesus pr- showed his perfect patience patience toward us when he sacrificed his life on the cross. So we have the patience of God the Father, the patience of God the Son, and we also have the patience of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's really, there's many passages you could probably look at, but I want to refocus on Galatians 5 again, thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit demonstrates patience when we look in Galatians, it being one of the fruit Of the Spirit, we develop this fruit of the Spirit not by pursuing the law, right? We cannot pursue the law because if we pursue the law, we will fail. And instead, it says that we are freed from the law. And Paul asked the Galatians in Galatians 3 Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected? By the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. All right, so we have been saved by faith, right? It is it is God's grace by faith that we have been saved. It is not through any works of the law that we can be saved. Right? It is only through the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and in our lives that He can now dwell in us. And because He dwells within us, then we can reveal that same Spirit to those around us. And part of that is patience. So the Holy Spirit produces that in us as we keep in step, as we walk with the Spirit. So we're patient. We are patient because God is patient with us. And then we practice patience towards each other in all circumstances. There's a number of scriptures that we could go to to look at this, but I want to focus on on three primary passages that show different aspects of how we can demonstrate patience towards one another because of the patience that God has shown towards us. Matthew 18, Uh, we are patient when we forgive each other so in Matthew 18 uh, Jesus is teaching this principle of of forgiveness right and we, he's talking about uh, what happens if your brother sins against you you go to them and you confront them for their sin and so it's it's this idea of, of seeking forgiveness seeking repentance from from your brother who's in sin and then practicing that forgiveness and repentance and and it it's the passage that many, many churches go to, to to demonstrate the idea, the concept of church discipline, the way we, we go to our brother. And if, if, if he repents, then, then we've restored our relationship, right? But if not, then we go and we bring others with them. And there's this process that we go through. And he's talking about this concept of forgiveness for one another. And Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, right? So Paul, Peter thinks he's doing doing well there to say, "Should I forgive him seven times for doing this?" And and Jesus' response is not not seven times, but different translations say a different. Some say seventy-seven times, as the ESV says, and some say seventy times seven. Uh, either way, it's 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 an abundant amount more, right? We are to be patient patiently forgiving one another, even as many as seventy-seven times, right? It's it's beyond what would be considered reasonable, right? We continue to practice that forgiveness. And and he illustrates this with a story, with this parable uh, that's known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I want to read through some of this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is, is... an exorbitant amount of money. To think about it, uh, the, the best ideas that, from my study on this, um, thinking about how much one talent was worth about 6,000 denarii, which at that time, one denarius was one day's pay. So 6,000 would be 6,000 days pay, right? Which is about 16 to 17 years of pay would be one talent, and this says that he owed 10,000 talents. I mean, that, that's the equivalent of 164,000 years, right? That's, that's an insane amount. It's, it's illogical. It's, it's, it's an exaggeration that, that uh, Jesus is illustrating here. It's, it's an exaggeration of something. We cannot pay that back, right? And he's saying, that ultimately what he's saying is that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, is we have this... Account that we cannot settle, right? And he is abundantly patient and forgiving towards us. And this this uh, servant comes to comes to the king and, and begs him for patience, right? He says, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything." It's that same word to have patience is the verb form of makrothumia. It's the same word. Please be patient with me, and I will pay you everything, right? I'm going to pay you all 164,000 years worth of back pay I owe you. <laughs> it's, it's outrageous, right? But the king pitied him, it says, and he forgave all of his debts. So this 164,000 years worth of debt completely cleared. Imagine that. Like, I'm just trying to think of my mortgage that I'm owing, right? If, if the bank came to me and said, that 30-year uh, fixed rate that you have, consider it cleared. <laughs> like, what a blessing that would be, Right? And this is so far beyond that. So far beyond uh, this debt being cleared. And then we read later on in the story that this same servant who has just been forgiven a debt that could never be paid goes to to someone who owes him a hundred denarii. And it says that he seized him and began to choke him. So he came to him, not with any kind of pity or not with any kind of patience, but he's immediately, Adam him, grabs him. He's grabbing him by the throat and he's shaking him and demanding this pay of 100 denarii, which is 100 days worth of pay. So, I mean, it's a significant amount of money that he owed him, but it's not even close to what this servant owed the king, right? And so he's demanding it immediately. Pay me back now. And, and the same, so this servant says the same thing to him that he said to the king. He said, have patience with me, and I will pay it. <laughs> but did he listen to that? Did he practice the patience that the king practiced towards him? No. Instead, he demanded it right now, and he got, him, got the guards to come and, and arrest him and put him in prison because he demanded that money right away. And in the story, uh, you see that these, these people came and told the master, told the king about it. And when they told the king, they summoned him and said, uh, You wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? As I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart so it's a pretty sobering idea right it's a sobering picture but it's it's very clear right that god is great in his mercy and abundant in his patience towards us and he has forgiven us and in the same way we who are believers in christ should be patient towards one another we should be forgiving towards each other So we're patient when we forgive one another. And then we're patient when we seek unity with one another. In Ephesians 3, or Ephesians 4, as you read through uh, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are detailing God's plan, right? God's plan of redemption uh, and the way that he he has worked in our lives. And then when he gets to chapter 4, now he says, in light of all of that doctrine, in light of all of this knowledge, now you must Walk in a manner worthy of that calling to which you have been called. And then in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. So again, that's rooted in that idea that in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. God has demonstrated his love, his patience, his grace, his mercy to us. And because of that, now we need to practice that as well. And he clarifies how they are to walk worthy of this calling. Like, how? How am I to walk worthy of this calling? And he gets that in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness and with patience. So all of these characteristics are found in the book of Colossians as well, when he he calls the Colossians to put on these traits. He says, Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Again, there's that concept of forgiveness towards each other. And most of these things we see in the the fruit of the Spirit as well, right? This uh, patience and humility and gentleness and love. All of these things are are practicing the fruit of the Spirit within us, right? We're supposed to exhibit that same fruit. And he calls the Ephesians uh, to do this with humility and gentleness, which is to be meek and lowly in heart. That's how uh, Jesus described himself in Matthew 11 when he calls the people to come to him because I'm meek and lowly in heart. My burden is easy. My my yoke is light. And they are to do this with patience, with macrothumia that same word here. It's that long-suffering. And because of his forbearance with them, they ought to act in a similar manner towards others. I talked about this already earlier, but it's that that definition that Peter O'Brien gives, where it says that patience is that long-suffering that makes allowance for others' shortcomings and endures wrong rather than flying into a rage or desiring vengeance. So we allow for the shortcomings of others around us. Think about that in your own life. How many times do you see others around you, the shortcomings? We're quick to see the shortcomings of those around us and impatient towards our kids, impatient towards our parents, impatient towards our co-workers. But we demand that same patience For us, right? We want we want people to be patient with us, to to practice humility and patience, but we need to practice and demonstrate that towards others as well. And so we're patient when we seek unity. Right, that's that's where where he gets to in verse three. We're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Again, that's that's the fruit of the spirit that, that Pastor Seth mentioned last week. This concept of peace that Paul talks about in Ephesians in chapter two, when he talks about how he we, he's divided this middle wall of partition. There's no longer this division between people, but now we can have peace and unity in Christ, and we can have that unity. And the way we do that is by practicing patience towards one another with humility, with gentleness. We're living that spirit-filled life. So we are patient as we seek unity with each other. And then we're patient when we encourage each other. If you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, so uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians, he's encouraging, encouraging the people there because they've been struggling. They've been struggling with hope. Like this idea of hopelessness because they've been persecuted. They've been suffering uh, many persecutions to the point of many of them were dying right, because of their faith. And, and in fact, the Apostle Paul himself was essentially forced out of the city whenever he was there with them for this short period of time, it says. He was forced out because of the persecution of the people to the point where when he left Thessalonica, he went to the next city and they followed him there too. And they had to, he had to leave there. He had to find a way to escape this persecution that he was facing. And that, that same persecution that Paul was leaving stayed there, right? They were facing persecution to the point of death and they were losing hope. And within this letter, he's, he's, he's providing this, this comfort with one another, right? In, in chapter 4, he talks about uh, the coming of the Lord and how when he, he, he will return in this glorious day, right? And we can find comfort and find peace in that to know that, that those who are asleep, those who have died We don't grieve for them the way that others do without hope. And and he's he's providing that encouragement. And then, as you go further on, he provides more encouragement and instruction to them. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. So looking at that verse... Three different types of people that Paul talks about. There's the idle, the faint-hearted, and the weak. And there's three different ways that we are to, to work towards, the, that we are to encourage them, right? And the first one, we are to admonish the idle. This word admonish, uh, it, it means to, to caution one another, to gently reprove someone, right? It's used in this idea of, of correcting others, but it's, it's a gentle correction, it's a word that's used in 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So he's speaking to the Corinthians as a parent speaking lovingly to his children, correcting them uh, in their behaviors, correcting them in their attitudes, and that's the idea here too. Thessalonians, is, it's very brotherly in its language, uh, but one, one commentator that I read I like I this idea that in this idea of admonishing, it's, it's brotherly language, but it's like a big brother, right? It's that big brother encouraging their younger siblings to do the right thing, to, to, to follow uh, the path that they are supposed to follow. So it's, not calling, it's calling out wrongdoing, but it's doing it in a way that's loving, and it's in a way that is gentle. So when we are encouraging one another towards obedience, Are we doing it in a loving way, encouraging them uh, in a loving and gentle way? And these people are are idle, right? To to think of an idle person is disorderly or undisciplined. So it's a military term. uh, It really is a military term describing a soldier who's out of step or maybe an army who is in in disarray, right? That's, That's the idea. It's this group of people that are in disarray or it's a single person who is out of step or out of rank. He's not following the, the, the rank or the order that he is supposed to be following. It's a person who's failing to perform their duties. It's those people that we know could do more but are content to do just enough to get by, right? And we all know people that are like that. We know people in our, in our jobs uh, that are, are content to, to do the bare minimum, right? The bare minimum of what uh, is required. And we let everyone, let everyone else do, you know, pick up the slack maybe that we don't follow. Uh, we might see that in, in our homes, right? Whenever we're uh, picking, up, picking up our house, like if, if we ask the kids to clean up the house, you know, there's one person fails to do the job, everyone else has to pick up the slack, right? That's the idea. Is it's, it's we're encouraging, we're admonishing that person to do the right thing by doing the work, right? Not standing by, standing idly by doing things that they know they should be doing. So we admonish them. That is the kind of people that we can be impatient towards, right? I think about that at work. I mean, it's easy to be impatient towards a person who is not doing their job, and you have to do it. Like, you get asked to do this job because... I know that you will do it, and this person's not doing the job, so you potentially get overloaded because you were doing this work that another person could do. It's easy to become impatient towards a person like that, right? <clears throat> then we also encourage the faint-hearted. The faint-hearted is, is a small-souled person. It's a, it's a discouraged person. Right? There would have been people like this in Thessalonica, right? These people who have faced persecution to the point of death, that means that they have loved ones who have died, right? And so they are grieving, and they need encouragement. But this, is, this idea here of the person who is faint-hearted is that person who it just needs that little bit extra encouragement um, where there are other people who are also grieving but they're build, helping to encourage and build this person up, even though they are discouraged too. They are helping to build this person up uh, because it seems like they need even more encouragement. And we see that. And this is the idea, uh, uh, it's used in John chapter 11 when, when we read about the death of Lazarus. And there were people there to, br- to provide encouragement to Mary and Martha at the loss of their brother, right? They were discouraged. They lacked this spiritual strength to move forward, but they were being encouraged and being built back up. Those are the kinds of people that we come alongside of, right? We help them carry those burdens. And we help them in their emotional needs. And then we help the weak. Uh, This idea of of the weak, uh, helping the weak, the idea of helping, it's it's like a cling to. It's not just, you know, when we hear someone's in need, I think that's something that a lot of us are really good at. When we see a need, we go and help them immediately. We help in that one, you know, that early time, the loss of a loved one, where they're providing meals for them, providing encouragement for them, and doing all those things. But, but what happens, you know, months down the road or years down the road, and a person is still struggling sometimes with that? Um, this idea of helping the weak person, it's that motivation. It's we're clinging to them. We're holding on to them, not just in that immediate moment, but we're in it for the long haul, right? You're in it for, uh, for the long haul. So we provide that support, that help that they need. Um, it could be a person who is sick or a person who's emotionally or spiritually vulnerable in some way, but we provide the support for them. And then he concludes that, those three different types of people, he concludes it by saying we are patient with all. So we're patient with each one of those people. And thinking about that, I already mentioned it, it's, it's easy to think about that idle person, we can be impatient towards that person, right? A person who is not doing the work, and I have to pick up the slack. It's easy to get frustrated in our hearts for that person, and we're not patient With them, but we must be patient with them all, is what Paul says here. So, even though they're idle, and maybe that is sin, right? To be idle is to be in sin, but we are to be patient. We call them to repentance, but we do so with patience and we recognize that it takes time, right? We can't expect a person to immediately change, right? We don't say, I need you to be patient with me, and I need it right now, <laughs> right? We are patient and slow to anger with them. Not only that, we're patient with the faint-hearted. How, how can we be patient with a faint-hearted person, this person that, that needs extra encouragement, right? You think about that. It, it's As I said, the, the Thessalonians... Many of them were facing loss, right? Many of them were grieving the loss of others. But even those who were grieving losses here had to provide encouragement for others who were grieving maybe even a little bit more, right? There's always that person who is struggling more, and we come alongside, even though we have our own burdens, we are there to help one another carry each other's burdens, right? Galatians talks about that later on, uh, past the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 6, how we bear one another's burdens even while we carry our own burdens. We help one another. And to do that requires patience, right? We have to be patient with that person. What about the weak person? Um, like I said, it's, it's a person that's you're in it for the long haul, right? It's easy to help a person in that one moment, like that moment of weakness early on. But When you have to help them the hundredth time, right, the thousandth, however many, when you have to help them later on, it's like, okay, come on now. Like, you got this under control. You need to take, you you can take care of this now, right? No, we need to be patient even in those moments to help and support those who are weak. So we're patient when we encourage one another. We're patient When we seek unity with each other and we're patient when we forgive one another. And we must be patient, not just in those circumstances, but in every and all circumstance. And we can only do this because God is patient with us, right? So so thinking about that again, the question is, is how? How do we become patient? We're called to be patient throughout Scripture. And we've read through many passages today encouraging this, this idea of patience towards one another, but ultimately, this is impossible, right? Like, we cannot force ourselves to be patient, right? It's not something I can do on my own. I have to be patient, but I can only be patient because God is patient with us. <clears throat> right? I can only have This joy-filled, loving, patience towards others because God is so abundantly patient with me. He's so abundantly patient with us. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot, if we do, if we try to do that, do it on our own strength, what are we doing? We're creating a new law for ourselves, right? We are creating a law that we we cannot fulfill, We can't do it on our own. We can only do it through the strength of the Lord in our lives. It's only because we have a Heavenly Father who is loving and patient towards us, who exercises His covenant faithfulness towards us, even when we are unfaithful to Him. He is patient with us so we can be patient. It's only because we have Christ who endured the suffering endured the shame on the cross for our sins. It is only because of that that we can be patient towards one another, right? It's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only because we have the fruit of the Spirit working inside of us. That is the only way that we can be patient, right? We are called to, to do the work, Still, right? Philippians, Paul told the Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there is a responsibility on our part. But in the same breath, he tells them, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are responsible, and we must be patient in all circumstances and be willing to forgive and seek unity. And we must encourage one another on a daily basis. But ultimately, the only way that that we will even desire that patience and the only way that we're going to be able to put forth the efforts of that patience towards one another is because God is working in us. And as God works in our hearts, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit works within us in our lives, when we have the Spirit at work in us, then we can walk with the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and we can have the patience that God is calling us to here. Let's pray.